Today's scripture comes from um, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. And behold, the lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will pay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, let me just briefly introduce our guest speaker uh, t- today. Pastor Sung, he's a pastor uh, of City Mission. And City Mission is a uh, local Christian organization, local ministry um, that's been doing amazing kingdom work uh, in the heart of Elmhurst. And Pastor John and I, we had an opportunity to attend one of their uh, recent workshops um, where a guest speaker uh, came and spoke on homelessness in the city and and Pastor John and I, we're, we're so encouraged and challenged the more and more we see uh, the work that God has been doing in and through City Mission. So we're so uh, thankful for this opportunity uh, to have Pastor Sung uh, come and speak for us. So as he comes up, let's just give him a round. Um, well, NCF, welcome. And let's continue to keep him in your prayer as he delivers God's word. Yeah. be here this morning. Uh, Please join your hearts with me as, as I pray. Dear Father, we approach you with encouragement from your Son, Jesus Christ. We are not left alone to feel you, nor do we worship you as an unknown God. We cannot fathom your fullness, but we know that you are good, ready to forgive, and abundant in mercy. We pray that you would enable our hearts to understand your word this morning. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. It's good to be here to worship with you. You have a wonderful, beautiful congregation. And as I, as far as I understand you, uh, many of the, for the setup of your congregation, you come in at 8.30. Man, like, I'm not even sure if I could wake up at 8 <laughs> o'clock. And... But I'm glad and grateful to be here. And thank you for the beautiful worship team and just for all the setup. Um, as introduced, my name is Sung Lee. I'm a chaplain. I serve as a chaplain for City Mission. Um, it, it is a Christian nonprofit that, that serves in Elmhurst, Queens. Uh, my wife, Irene, is up there. And my son's name is Caleb. And he's probably running around. Well, he's probably in your beautiful Sunday school. 
And I hope to meet at least most of you during the time of fellowship this morning. I hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. And from the last week's sermon about uh, gospel amnesia delivered by Pastor James, that you had that week to mull over uh, what it means to be thankful. Hopefully you had time to share a meal with your loved ones um, and got a chance to catch a breath, you know, to catch a breath from, <laughs> from celebrating and, and eating all that turkey. Hopefully you had chances to share about what you've been thankful for in this year. And your oikos and your kayak groups, hopefully you had times to share Thanksgiving. If I understand, this is your first year on this campus, and you guys have come through a very difficult transition. For some of you, Thanksgiving and the holidays can stir up reminders of you know, those Salvation Army Santas that collect money on the streets, right? Um, if you work in the city, you probably pass by a whole bunch of them. Or you know, if your children go to, to elementary school, you may have had to participate in some of the food drives. I know for my son, he had to bring two cans of food for school. And that's always a treat. But it might not even be food drives that you see reminders to donate. It might be coat drives. It might be the countless numbers of homeless that you see when you go to work. You know that when it gets really cold during the season, you, you take a train to work and you see a crowded train, a crowded E train, a crowded A train. And you take a chance and you, know, you see this empty train car. And you know, you're like, okay, I don't want to get a person's armpit in my face, so I'm going to go to that empty train car just, just to avoid other people. And when you go inside that empty train car, you get hit, like you get trucked. Bam, right? Your nose, it it smells this most disgusting odor. It could be urine, a mix of urine, rotting cheese, the stinkiest Taiwanese tofu mingled with the stinkiest Korean kimchi. Along with this mix of human funk, along with that cheese, There's this rank odor, and before you know it, you see a homeless man sleeping, half naked, on that train seat. And then you try to get off at the next stop, or you go to the next train car and try to bear your fortunes being in someone's armpit. You might get a feeling of guilt that you didn't help that homeless man. I know that there are times that this happened to me when I was going to work. If you're like me, you had this innate sense that you wanted to help, but you couldn't, that you didn't want to help. You you identified a human need, seeing that person on that bench, that homeless man who needed help. Maybe a coat would have helped, but you didn't want to help you may have felt a paralysis to help. In many ways, you are not alone. 
Many churches don't know how to help. Uh, Mercy ministry is a ministry that recognizes and meets human needs. Mercy ministry is how you help. But the question comes up about how do you show mercy? For today's message for NCF, for all of you, that will be the question that we answer. How do we show mercy? And in order to understand how we answer this question, we have to understand firstly, why we don't show mercy. Second, understand the one who shows mercy. And lastly, how we show mercy. Uh, Firstly, why we don't show mercy. Second, understand the one who shows mercy. And lastly, how we show mercy. So let's go. Uh, Please keep your Bibles turned to the passage in Luke. Firstly, let's go into why we don't show mercy. The parable before us is the classic parable of the Good Samaritan. And it helps to show us why we might not show mercy. In the parable, we read about an expert in the law, you know, this lawyer, and how he wanted to test Jesus. And up to this point in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has been going through the land. And he's been doing things that were they're not being readily accepted by the religious authorities. Right? Granted, he was performing miracles. This is a good thing. He was healing people. He was casting out demons. Good stuff. And Jesus taught with exceptional authority and wisdom. However, the religious authorities had trouble with Jesus. Um, For instance, he was operating outside the normal traditions of following the law. Uh, For instance, uh, he touches a leper in Luke chapter 5, verse 13. Now, in for the religious leaders in those days, you just don't touch lepers. If, if you're a Jew because you're a Jew because you're clean. And if you were to touch a leper, if you were to touch this person, you would become unclean. Or for another instance, Jesus, he forgives a paralytic, a person that, that was paralyzed. He forgives his sins. Jews don't Forgive people's sins. It, this was just like the princess bride. It was inconceivable. Right? In another instance, he performed the healing on the Sabbath day. You just don't heal on the Sabbath day. So Jesus, he was this enigma. right? And he was an enigma for the religious leaders. Jesus just he didn't abide by the law in how the religious leaders understood it. So this lawyer, right, the lawyer before us, he wanted to test Jesus and his understanding of the law. In verse 25, he, we see this when, when he asks, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, being the amazing teacher he is, he responds with another question. Uh, What is written in the law? How do you read it? Look at how the lawyer responds. Um, Jesus lets him answer his own question. The the lawyer, he answers, um, uh, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart 
and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, oh, you answered correctly. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> not, a, not a lawyer. Having supplied Jesus with, with you know, his expertise training in the law, right? he wants to justify himself because he sees that Jesus caught him. Uh, Jesus used the a lawyer's own answer on him. And you know, this upsets the lawyer, the, the lawyer's cross-examination of Jesus and his understanding of the law is coming to an end. And so the lawyer has to get back on point. You know, he, has to, he has to get back to testing Jesus on his understanding of the law. And so, so he asks, uh, who is my neighbor? And this was to get back to how Jesus understood the law. And now, now you see in the law, as the religious leaders in this time understood, they saw one's neighbor as a law-abiding Jew. Um, or the other possibility that it was a foreigner that was living among them according to the Jewish law. Right? The lawyer was asking this probably because of the reports of Jesus touching lepers, eating with tax collectors and sinners and folks who are outside who are outside according to the law the lawyer hoping to save his cross examination right he asked this question hoping to entrap jesus he thought that this question with this question that he would clinch his argument that he would get jesus and the lawyer knew his law he knew about Jesus' behavior. He knew what, was, what he was doing, meeting with sinners, interacting with unclean people. You know, all of Jesus' behavior, remember, it was not jiving with what the religious leaders taught. It wasn't jiving with their understanding of the law. So Jesus, he responds with this epic parable. And it and Jesus, he flips everything on the lawyer's ex- expectations. Um, there's this unknown man in the parable who is stripped and beaten up by robbers. And we don't know who this man is, but we know that he's half dead, unable to say anything. A priest comes by. Uh, you, can picture, you can picture maybe Pastor James or John walking by, right? Um, they see the half-dead man and they pass by on the other side. The priest, he walks by, he sees, he sees the man, he does nothing. He does nothing. Next up, batter up, right? The next person, it's a Levite. It's someone like a pastor's assistant. Or you could imagine for, for your purposes, uh, someone from the, from the deacon board. This Levite, he sees the half-dead man and he passes by just like that priest. He does nothing. So why don't they do anything? You know, there's a man beaten up and lying down. Why don't they do anything? The priest and Levite might be afraid 
they, they may have been afraid of being becoming ceremonially ceremonially unclean. Right? Numbers chapter 19 verses 14 to 16 where if you touch someone that is dead, you would become unclean for 7 days. And during this time it also came to be extended such that even if you touch that dead man's shadow, you would become unclean. Or uh, for, for the leaders, they would be looking at Leviticus chapter 21, verses 10 to 11, where the priest wasn't supposed to touch dead bodies, even if that dead person was one of their parents. You see, for the priest and the Levite, the law posed a dilemma for them. For the priest and Levite, they're thinking, do I love God by keeping my duty to the law by being clean? Or do I help someone who looks dead and would be dangerous to my holiness? Can a corpse be a neighbor? Will the blood of this person get on my clothes and make me unclean? Will I get the blood of this person on my Jimmy Choo's and make them unclean? Will I be inconvenienced by this seemingly dead person on the road? The problem that arises for us today in why we don't show mercy is that we don't show mercy to those in need because we are afraid that they will impact our holiness. They might impact our reputation our reputation before others. This can come in many ways. Um, If I stop to help this homeless person on my way to work, I might become late for work. Right? My reputation before my boss would be tarnished. Another instance, I don't have enough money for me and my family. I can't possibly help someone in need my reputation as a provider would be blemished if I give up my resources to help this person. I don't have enough time. Another instance, I don't have enough time for my children. If I give up my time to help someone in need, I will be seen as a bad parent. You know, my reputation will be impacted if I give up this resource to help someone else. So why we don't show mercy? We are afraid that it will inconvenience us in some way and cause us to lose our holiness, quote-unquote holiness before people. We operate like the priest or the Levite in the parable. We see, but we don't do anything. Next, that brings us to our second point. To understand the one who shows mercy. In the parable, we have the third person who appears. And this person is a Samaritan. Now, Samaritans were hated by Jews. This enmity between Samaritans and Jews, it was so deep. So harsh. It was worse than the Red Sox and Yankees. It was worse than Ohio State and the University of Michigan. It was worse than that. So how bad was it? It was, it was so bad. I'll give you some examples. 
Uh, one time, the, the Samaritans, they, they took human bones and they threw them into the temple, into the, the temple porches and sanctuary during the night to try to make the Jewish temple unholy. Uh, the, the Jewish leadership, they, they responded and they said, and so, so they made this edict that excluded Samaritans from the Passover. And they even asked that in daily prayers in their synagogues, that they pray that Samaritans would not have eternal life. Just imagine that. When they were gathering in their synagogues, they were literally praying that the Samaritans would not get eternal life. In the parable, coming back to the parable, the Samaritan is the hero. He is the one that shows mercy. He arrives on the scene in verse 33. And it says that, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he, the half-dead man, was. And when he saw him, it says that he had compassion. The Samaritan we read, he meets the man where he was. He meets him where he was, lying down. He binds up the man's wounds, pouring on oil and wine, whatever he had on him. This is what people did in those days to heal people. You can picture the Samaritan. He's getting his clothes dirty and covered with blood. Right? Next to the Samaritan, he sets the man, he carries this man, he puts him on his animal and brings him to an inn and took care of him. The Samaritan, he, he pays the innkeeper and he says to take care of the man and whatever he spends, the Samaritan will repay when he comes back. Try to imagine if that happened today. You're, you're walking to work and someone is lying down on the street. You call the ambulance, and then you notify the EMT, hey, you know, whatever this person's bill is, here's my credit card. Put it, load him up on your ambulance. Whatever care he needs, I'll provide. Just imagine that. The Samaritan, he does what the priest and the Levite failed to do. You see, he inconveniences himself to help the man in need. He takes the time, he takes his time to care for this man. He also takes a risk to help this Samaritan. Oh, he, he takes a risk to help this man. Remember that they're on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. They're on the Jericho road, right? The Samaritan, he, he couldn't carry the man back to a Samaritan town. There wouldn't have been enough time. The man would have died, right? He, the Samaritan, he's trying to help the man. He, he, would have, he would probably have taken him to the closest Jewish town. Now imagine how it would have looked if the Samaritan comes into the inn and he's bringing this man that's half dead into a Jewish-owned inn. Right? If the man died, there probably would have been a, re- a revenge killing. You know, the, the innkeeper could have said, you filthy Samaritan, you unholy, dirty Samaritan, you killed that man. 
It's your fault. You need to die. He could have said that. This was the danger that the Samaritan faced. So, besides giving up time, giving up his time, besides getting dirty, meeting the half-dead man where he was, the Samaritan, he risks his life to care for this man. He is the one who shows mercy. Now, what does that mean to us today? If we think about this, brothers and sisters, you know anyone who would you know anyone who would risk their life to rescue someone who is half dead and unconscious? You know anyone who would give up their time to show us mercy? Jesus, Jesus Christ. You remember he inconvenienced himself to leave heaven to be born in a manger, to live a perfect life, to rescue us who are dead in our sins. Do you remember how he had compassion when he saw the crowds because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd? Jesus left heaven to rescue us. He inconvenienced himself. He met us where we were. He died on the cross to cover our sins. And redeem us so that we would have eternal life. Jesus saw and he did something. Now, when we were now when, when you were reading this parable, when when you're reading this parable, were you thinking that you were the Samaritan providing help? Right? Did you think that you're that Samaritan providing help? Or did you see yourself like that man who was beaten and left for dead? Did you see yourself as someone who needed help? This is why we all need Jesus. We all need the one who shows us mercy. Lastly, how do we show mercy? So we went over we went over the previous points and now lastly, how do we show mercy? If we understand why we don't show mercy and we understand that it is Jesus that shows us mercy, if we understand that, those things. You will understand that you are a sinner saved by grace, saved by the grace of God, and this will empower you in how you show mercy. So what does this look like? At, at my church, um, I served uh, in youth group. It would be like your kayak group. Uh, it was a college and youth, college and youth group. And I served with uh, another leader, and his name is Lester Lynn. And, and for both of us, we encourage our youth, our high school students and college students, that to serve the community. We taught that the gospel calls us to care for our neighbors. And we taught that we are able to love because God has first loved us. Right? And this, this came to an incredible um, climax when when an emergency homeless shelter was opened up in our community. Um, it was opened up close to our, where our church was. And, and immediately there were these protests that were being levied against this homeless shelter. If you don't know, um, homelessness in New York City is at an all-time high. It is just as bad as the Great Depression. So 
when this emergency homeless shelter opened up in our community close to our church, protests were being levied against this, this shelter. And the whole community was in an uproar. Uh, Lester, uh, who lives in Elmhurst, um, he wanted to live out the call from the gospel. And what he did was he, he met, he wanted to meet with people from that shelter that was opening up. He gathered members from our church uh, to go meet the homeless in that shelter. And it turned out that the folks that were living in that shelter, they were, they were mainly families. Uh, a lot of them were single parent families and a lot of them were, were folks that were fleeing domestic abuse. So, so these were single moms that you know, they had to flee their houses because they were being heavily abused by their spouses. So they, so they grabbed their kids and they ran away. Now, there were also members in our church that um, they thought the homeless, that the homeless shelter would bring in unclean people. Um, there were members in our church that, that thought that, uh, that this homeless shelter would lower their uh, property value. Uh, some, of, some of the members from our church were also part of the protests against this shelter. And many of the members, um, they were afraid that if we supported the shelter, it would bring unwanted controversy to our church. After discussions uh, with leadership and prayer, talking with our youth and college members, um, we wanted to mobilize our Christian members to serve. And so Lester, uh, my buddy in crime, um, uh, a businessman also, uh, he, he forms a Christian nonprofit and he calls this, uh, this nonprofit City Mission. And it was originally set up to help this homeless shelter, to help the families there, to, to get to know them and to treat them as if they were created in the image of God. So along with this adventure, uh, this scary adventure, um, I, I don't know how many, how many of you have ever formed a nonprofit. Um, it takes a lot of work. Um, so along with members from our church, uh, City Mission, it, it recruited youth, youth and college leaders. Um, they would go and they would hope help the youth that were, that were in that shelter. And we, we began to see that there were other needs. That besides the homeless population that was being neglected, we started to see that there were, there were also youth, uh, high-risk youth in, in our community of Elmhurst that, were, that needed help, that needed to be loved. And we also saw that there were immigrant populations that needed help. So these populations that were neglected um, City Mission was formed to help. And City Mission, it works with local churches regardless of denomination. You could be Lutheran, Independent, Presbyterian. City Mission works with the local churches, their, their leaders, regardless of denomination because we know that the kingdom of God is far greater than one local church. Lay members from, from the church, 
also got to use their talents to help. So we got lawyers. You know, like in the parable, we have a lawyer, a very troublesome lawyer. We got lawyers from our church to help out. Uh, we got graphic artists. Uh, we got IT people. You know, like you know, uh, I'm an IT person too. Uh, people like me got to help. And we got musicians to work together. We got folks that were not necessarily priests or Levites, right? We got lay people. We got them to use their talents to help. Now, how, how do we show mercy? Because of love for our neighbors, uh, City Mission was able to form connections with uh, believers and non-believers in the community. We even got to form connections with people from the mayor's office. And we also got to form connections with uh, uh, administrators from the local elementary schools. And also, uh, we're looking to form relationships with folks in high schools, uh, Townsend Harris and Bronx Science. What does it look like to show mercy? You will find that you will meet people where they are. You will see and you will do something. And if you understand that the one who has shown you mercy, you will be able to love others even even when they are socially and economically different from you. Even when, when they are ethnically different from you. When you know that you're a sinner saved by grace, you will see and you will love even if it costs you your time, even if it costs you your reputation, and even if it costs you your life because we have eternal life. When you gather in your oikos groups, oikos, 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 oikos groups, when you gather, how do you pray? Do you take the time to listen to one another? When you share a meal together in your groups, do you discern the body? Do you look at who is missing from this group? Do you look outside when you exit out from your oikos groups? Do you look out and you see your neighbors? All right, they don't really jive with what I believe. But do they know you? Are they going through something? How do you share your needs in your groups? How do you see and take the time to listen to the needs of your neighbors in your communities? It could be at, it could be in Elmhurst. It could be in Astoria. It could be in your workplaces. It could be even when you gather. How do you take the time to listen? How do you take the time to see? Examine your hearts. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us to know of how you have shown us mercy by sending your son Jesus to redeem us and to give us eternal life. I pray for NCF that you would watch over her oikos and kayak groups from her missions to her mercy ministries. Give all the members of this church a heart to know of your love and see that we were all dead and we needed your son to rescue us. We could not fulfill the law. Lord, please heal us of our gospel amnesia as Pastor James preached last week. 
Give us eyes to see and send us to care for our neighbors, both in word and in deed. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.